Mike Butler. <laughs> and I'm Elise. And this is Cracking One Open with Mike. And Elise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you scared me there. I noticed. It was fun. Look at my little volume bars on this program. Oh, damn. They went crazy. Yeah, I might have to edit that. Have fun with that. Thanks. <laughs> if you need repairs, don't worry. I'll write you a blank check. Ah, I see what you did there. Oh, did the old TV show, the old TV movie have a theme song? Uh, what? The old TV movie Blank Check, did it have a, th- a theme song? I don't think so. Oh, you're throwing in so many Blank Check quotes in here right now. <laughs> anyway, if you couldn't guess by now, <laughs> the beer that we're doing this week is called Blank Check Number 5 by Tribus Beer. <laughs> And you probably recognize Tribus because we have featured a few of their beers before uh, in previous episodes, including Cereal Spiller and Bake Sale. I still have dreams about having Bake Sale with those butter cookies from Scratch Baking, (laughs) who they collaborated with for that wonderful creation. Every time I go to Scratch Baking, they have they've taken some of the Scratch uh, the Bake Sale cans and they've opened them as plant holders. Yeah, it's adorable. I love it. But it makes me sad. That there's no more bake sale to have. It's to almost drink. like the uh, the morning remain, like the the remains of of bake sale. Oh, it's, it's, been it's like a little gravestone. Like, yeah, that's what it feels like. <laughs> Sick, twisted bastards. <laughs> anyway, we love you. <laughs> so this past weekend, we stopped by the brewery for a few rounds because uh, they're always pumping out new stuff. And once it's gone, it might not come back. So you got to get it while it's hot. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, not hot because that would be gross. Get it while it's ice cold. There we go. So, yes, um, what we are talking about today is called Blank Check Number 5, which was just released this past weekend. Um, but unfortunately, it's not available in cans, so we had to settle for getting a whole damn growler. <laughs> Aww, too bad Aww, for us. Yeah, More and we actually <laughs> we actually got the chance to talk to one of the guys that works at Tribus. Um, I believe he is the man behind all the awesome can designs and graphics. So special uh, thank you to Will for taking a few minutes to tell us a little bit more about Blank Check Number Five. This is a rotational double IPA, and this is, if you couldn't guess it, the fifth iteration of it. So the the base malt of it stays the same every time, but the brewers have some fun switching up the hops that are used in each batch. And I guess the, the first version of this came out in August 2018, and it's been on and off the draft rotation since then. And for this version, the brewers at Tribus used Strata. El Dorado and Simcoe hops. Ooh. We've been seeing Simcoe hops used a lot. It's definitely a popular one right now. And they say these hops gives this hazy double IPA layered tropical flavors of passion fruit, mango, and melon. This one is dank AF straight off the tank this morning, which was the day before we went. This bib has no trace of its 8.5%, so make sure you cash responsibly. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> On a sad note, I was also disappointed to see that Oyebeb was gone when we went. It's another I, of their beers, yeah. Ah, oh, it's so good. I hope I hope they bring it back. Anyway, back to blank check. Since I already talked a lot about Simcoe hops for our episodes on Rose Deville and Hop Crush, I don't want to like beat a dead horse about it. So just as a refresher, the taste of Simcoe is complex and it's versatile. Very often used in IPAs and double IPAs, as well as India red ales for both bittering and aroma purposes. 
And what they bring to the table, so to speak, is basically very similar to Cascade hops, but on steroids. Whoa. <laughs> it's fruity and earthy with flavors identified as passion fruit or grapefruit and citrus, but also woodsy and piney. So it's pretty unique and not easily substituted with other hops. Eldorado hops, like Simcoe, are fairly new on the market, having been released to the public in 2010. It has good storage stability and an exceptionally high yield. So just by those factors alone, it's really popular with brewers. But like Simcoe, its rhizomes are not available to home brewers yet. (laughs) It's ideal in wheat beers, pale ales, and IPAs. So flavor-wise, these babies run the gamut. It's identified generally as having tropical flavors, but I found descriptions ranging from pineapple and mango to cherry and apricot. It's got aromas of pear and watermelon, but it also has a resinous back note. So it's got a lot of flavor, but it serves really well for dry hopping too, with a firm but subtly balancing bitterness. And when it's used later in the boiling process, where less of its cohumulane, <laughs> or I, I still can't figure out how to pronounce that. Where is it? Cohumulane. So less of it gets boiled away, and that's when it provides more of the fruity aromas. And last but not least, we've got Strata, which was originally bred back in 2009, but wasn't actually released until 2018. So this is really the new kid on the block and the darling of craft brewers right now. Can't say that. Craft Craft brewers. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of information about it, but it was apparently winning awards like right off the bat. And this is because it's able to achieve the kind of balance that's usually only found by blending multiple hops. One of the websites that I was researching described it as passion fruit meets pot. (laughs) So that fits exactly how Tribus described blank check layered with passion fruit, mango, melon and citrus. It comes with a dank herbal note of cannabis, but it has less of the bite of other hops that are really dank. Mm -hmm. And apparently dry hopping it only serves to make it that much more dank. Wait, wait. Does that make it dank? AF. There we go. Right now, it's mostly used in IPAs, pale ales, and session IPAs, but with more experimentation, there's speculation that it could be really good in everything from saisons to lagers. It can't be good in saisons. Do you want to know why? Because you don't like saisons. Because saisons aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I don't like saisons. They aren't good for me, but also screw saisons. <laughs> to each his own. So- Yeah, everything I learned about these hops seems to line right up with what we tasted from Blank Check. So Mm -hmm. uh, why don't we give it another taste test? You got it. Just to be sure for science. Wait, wait. We're not really cracking it open this time. Can we? It's kind of cracking. Pop it open. There we go. All right. Yeah. Let's pop it open. Pop it open. Pop it. (sighs) (laughs) All right. We popped it open. Clink it. Clink it. You go right into the sip. We got to smell you. Oh, it's so good, though. You're such a bad Cicerone amateur. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasterone. Hey. Ah. New hashtag. It smells good. It smells dank. It is dank AF. That is that is an accurate description. But when you taste it, you really get the the fruit ahead of the, the dankness, I think. I thought so last time. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of the dank this time. <laughs> I don't hate it. Oh, I don't hate it at all. I think the smell of weed is very floral and very interesting smell. And I think that's kind of what this tastes like. And I've said that to you before when we've Mm -hmm. had, um, we had a two roads made of pineapple beer with hemp in it. 
Yeah. That was super weedy. And I had way too much and got a like big that, headache because it dried me out like the, crazy. The bartenders described it was like, tastes like weed smells. And it, it was, it did. And, and it it's, did. it's good. That's good. It's like a floral, fresh, interesting flavor. Mm-hmm. Like you noted the pine and earthy, and earthy woodsy. woodsy flavors, but also all the fruit. Yeah. And it's like when you it hear so well that, together. it's tough to be like, okay, so yeah, so it tastes like everything. And in, in terms of the beer world, it really does taste like everything beer everything you get in an ipa it that's what this tastes like you get a little bit of everything yeah and that is a very good thing now is it the most refreshing beer not so much i mean i can't drink this all day oh i could drink this all day (laughs) oh i i wouldn't recommend it no it's it's high you gotta cash this check responsibly (laughs) (laughs) that's true but it's definitely super drinkable extremely drinkable because of how interesting it is you just want to keep drinking another sip mm-hmm. and it doesn't have that alcohol taste or that burn no not going down like other high alcohol content beers yeah on my mm-hmm. second sip mm-hmm. i guess i get pineapple which probably comes from the simcoe yep but you always get the heavier fruit first which i think pineapple is a little bit of a heavier yeah. fruit because it's got so much sugar in it probably probably i wonder how that affects the fermentation process yeah that's probably well it's not real pineapple though yeah, it just true. tastes like pineapple. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, have we ever had a pineapple beer? No, but it, oh, I wonder how a pineapple sour would be. It might be good because like I said, you've already got pineapple notes yeah. in normal beer. And I would imagine it's kind of like a blue moon made mm-hmm. with the citrus. And I like blue moon. Yeah. Hey, just putting it out there. Someone should try making a pineapple sour. <laughs> Interesting. Now you got me thinking. <laughs> but I mean, we, we wanted to try to we, make a yeah, homebrew soon at really some point, only but had, you can't make a sour. <laughs> we've, we've really only had sours based on citrusy fruits. Like Pineapple's a citrusy fruit, isn't it? Not like not like lime a lemon or, or a citrus. Or, yeah. Although they, uh, Two Roads did the passion fruit one, which was good. Yeah. And the plum, which is a stone fruit. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm pulling stuff out of my butt right now. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they call them all the sour series, but I don't know if those are sours or gozas at that point. Yeah. And I really don't know what changes from a goza to a sour. I know we did geyser goza when we explained it a little bit, but mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be interested. And we've done another goza as well. I'd we be have. interested to go into that a little yeah. bit more. Well, for our next episode, maybe I'll be able to figure out a little bit more about that. That's true. But in terms of this beer. Yes. <laughs> so I do get the pineapple note first. I think what hit mm-hmm. me more was the after note. Okay. But I do get the dankness second. I want to know. It's always me doing the first, the, no, describing my first that's taste. That's what I was saying was the, I get the fruit forward first, the pineapple, the melon. I taste you get, that You first get the melon? A little bit, I feel like. Maybe it's mango. I'm not a huge mango fan, so it's still a very strange flavor for me to discern. I think it might be mango because yeah. I don't, I don't get the melon like last week. Like, yeah, I could definitely not, tell no, it was melon. It's not like Blumpy where the, the melon was so like in your face, but. I get that mango and I'm not a huge mango fan either. Mm-hmm. I know my buddy is, uh, but he can eat mangoes whole, but I do like mm-hmm. mango when it's mixed in things. Yes. And I do get that mango at the end in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. So I think pineapple mango is actually a pretty good combination. Yeah. Very good tropical fruit combination. Very summertimey. Very. But yeah, if you, now that you say that, I do get kind of that mango. I kind of maybe get melon at the end. What's, what's he, what do you get at the end? Like now that you've drank it. Last, I get that like piney, piney, earthy taste. Well, that's the weird thing. Now, what I'm getting on the back of my palate is I'm reminded of juniper berries, like gin. Weird. Is it, maybe that's just me, but I, like a little bit. Well, you would know better than me. I'm, I'm not a big gin fan. <laughs> yeah, I know. No one is. I love gin. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I love aviation. Sponsor me. <laughs> We could be friends. I think we'd get along or at least sponsor the podcast. Help me out. <laughs> hey. 
I loved you in Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. Oh my God. I'm a real Ryan Reynolds fan. Throwback. Motherfuckers. <laughs> That's right. First bleep of the day. Yep. Sound the alarm. <laughs> oh, it's going to go off several times. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get, try, try another sip. You don't get the juniper berries? You don't get a little bit of that. I just had a shot of gin at the at the very end. Juniper berries do have a lot of that piney kind of flavor get, a little bit. Yeah, they do. They do. That's true. I can see that. Don't ruin this for me, though. <laughs> uh, gin's delicious. Also, y'all don't when, know. <laughs> whenever whenever we talk about juniper berries, I think about the scene in Bedazzled where uh, Brendan Fraser is his like super suave persona talking about the drug lord. No, no, I don't remember the the juniper berry. It, oh, I can't remember the quote right now because it's been so long since I've seen that movie. Shame on me. It's not a Com- forgotten cinema comes list. from the French uh, <laughs> Genevre. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I get melon at all, but I do get that juniper. Now that's all in my head. At the end of the taste, I get juniper berries, which is kind of enhanced the taste for me, actually, at the end. Like it's on my tongue uh, yeah, for longer. Yeah, as a because gin I'm, fan, I can understand that. Not even just, just because I recognize it. So now mm-hmm. it doesn't disappear as much. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm really doing a deep dive into this beer, guys. <laughs> Go tribe us for making something so freaking interesting. Oh, my God. I Like, uh, the blank check is really good, but we also, I, I got to do a shout out to uh, Sugar Mama. Oh, yeah. Because we were not expecting to spend as much at, at Tribus as we no, did. No, we, dro- <laughs> we dropped a lot of money. Well spent. And we will thoroughly enjoy oh, yeah. our, our growler and two four packs. Two four packs <laughs> of their limited time beers. But, oh, man, we tried Sugar Mama and, like, it was like. Whoa. Like, I, I just heard, like, 80s music play. Like, I am the man who will fight for your honor. Come on, man. I don't want to do this. No. <laughs> No, come on, bring it. Oh, no one's going to get that reference. Uh, no one watched yesteryear. You only watched it because I told you to. And no I didn't even believe that. that the show existed oh, for a very a long time. Yeah. No one's going to like it but me. That's fine. I love yesteryear. Any, anyone who <laughs> loves yesteryear, give us a shout out. Let, it, let us know that you love it. <laughs> like Sugar Mama was an amazing, amazing beer. Yeah. So smooth. So drinkable. It's so drinkable. So great. When I think of like what the perfect IPA is, and in my opinion, like it's... Sugar Mama. It's Sugar Mama. Although I do like Thanks If I like I like the wide range of IPAs. I love Blank Check. That was what we came there for. That's why we're doing the episode because we already had it. We know we love it. Yeah. But uh, Sugar Mama. Whew. And then their new sour that I had purchased as well. Shower beer. Shower beer is also really great a sour. It's different than the two road sours we usually do yeah. in the show. Uh, I'd like to do a episode on it at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what I can find out. <laughs> I don't want to do two tribes in a row. No offense, tribes. I do love you guys, but we got to spread. We got to spread, spread the, the love. love. We'll, we'll definitely come back to you guys again. Oh yeah, but um, that's for sure. Shower beer was a really great sour, very akin mm-hmm. to their almost like a lighter version of their Duchess that they did in Thanksgiving time. Yep, it's super fruit forward. But that wasn't the first time they did Duchess either. No, it's just it's super fruit forward. Yeah, and it's just so heavy on the fruit. It's so, but good. just the right amount of sour to give it that little kick. Oh yeah. Well, I'm a big like pure cranberry juice fan, so it worked. Oh for me. yeah. <laughs> I was drinking some the other day. You were, and you left little pink droplets right by the fridge. <laughs> no one needs to know about our domestic life. I'm calling you out. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. I think we've uh, covered the gamut on blank check. I mean, yeah. We look forward to blank check number six. I don't know how often they put out blank checks. Well, like I said, the first one came out in August of 2018, mm-hmm. and this is the fifth iteration of it. I can't do math, so tell me what tell me what we're looking at. Every couple months. Okay. You can't do math either. Nope. <laughs> All right. So we hope 
blank check number six is as good as or better than blank check number five. Yeah. Blank check number five is fantastic. I know I've had the other blank checks and I I've enjoyed them. I can't remember how they compare to this one, though. I will say this. This is the first blank check I remember. Okay. Well, I remember having the other ones. This is the first blank check I remember is like being like, oh, man, this is really good. Yeah. So they just keep getting so better. So it's got to be the hops then if the base malt oh, mix yeah. stays the same. The base malt's clearly got something going on because it's yeah. good. Yeah. You going to keep going? Uh, all right. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only stopping for time. I could have kept going. Uh, I believe you. No, our viewers you, like what you've I'm You've got saying. some, you got some lung power, you actor, you. I know. All right. <laughs> Shall we move on to some? It's time for our pop culture news and reviews. Sponsored by, insert your sponsor here. That's all right. Once again, I'm going to say, <laughs> insert your sponsor here for the low, low price of, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. So <laughs> you're the expert here. Let us know. We'll also accept free beer as the sponsor for right Ooh. now. Anyway. All right, Binky, uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I got news. You got reviews? I got news. I got some. Oh, that's right. You got two news. And so do you. All right. I was speaking a lot just now. Okay. Let's go. You me. You me. Ah, switching it up. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, well, so I know I am way behind the curve on this since the show is already six seasons deep, but I've been kind of binging Shit's Creek on Netflix. My parents have been trying to get me to watch it for a long time, so I don't know why I waited so long, but I'm finally in the second season now and it is so good. <laughs> the cast is perfect. Like I would not be able to pick a favorite character if you asked me because they're all so well written and developed. So Annie Murphy as Alexis is definitely a scene stealer, though. Her catchphrase, ew, David, uh, is very versatile. Like every time that she uses it, the, just the inflection that she puts on it is it emotes exactly what she's trying to to say, even though it's the same two words. And surprisingly, Shit's Creek is actually her first big role. She mentioned in an interview that uh, she had like three dollars in her bank account when she landed this audition. <laughs> so I'm getting off track. Schitt's Creek is in its sixth and officially final season, and I think shooting is already wrapped. But Annie Murphy has already landed her next role in the upcoming AMC series. Kevin can f himself. Oh, she's the lead in that <laughs> one. OK. Yep. I have, a, I have a buddy named Kevin. We both know who he is. Oh, okay. uh, and he, he loves the title. He said the show is about him. <laughs> he said he hopes the show is about him. <laughs> Actually, when, when you read the title online, it's called Kevin Ken F asterisk 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 himself. So I'm I'm just assuming that they mean F. What if they mean Kevin can fear himself or Kevin can fend himself or Kevin can. Um, I don't have enough time to figure out all the no, difference. But I, I do kind of like that both of the shows that she's like really leaning into are <laughs> have some kind like kind of a swear in them. What if it's Kevin can feel himself? That's also a little dirty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kevin can F himself is going to be a dark comedy. <laughs> According to Deadline, it probes the secret life of the type of woman we all grew up believing with that we knew. The sitcom wife, which is the character that Annie Murphy will play. It looks to break television convention and ask what the world looks like through her eyes. It'll alternate between single camera realism and multi-camera comedy. And the formats will kind of inform each other as we imagine what happens when the sitcom wife escapes her confines and takes the lead in her own life. And Refinery29 actually made a an interesting observation. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that I didn't make this connection myself because my first thought when I read the title of this series was, 
that that kind of reminds me of the Kevin James comedy. Kevin can wait. Mm -hmm. They speculate that it's a direct jab at that sitcom and their controversial decision to kill off the wife's character just because they ran out of ideas. Ran out of ideas because they didn't have a chemistry and they wanted to get Kevin James back with uh, Leah Remini. Remini. Yeah. But yeah. And uh, then the show still ended up failing, I believe. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin James. But anyway. Listen, Kevin James. He's fantastic, but his stand up comedy special. Oh, they're is absolutely outstanding. That's the thing. Like, he's really friggin' funny, but he keeps taking shitty roles. He'll figure something out. Yeah. King of Queens is really good. King of Queens is is hilarious. So, yeah, uh, Kevin Can F Himself was developed under AMC's script to series model, where they open up a writer's room to develop and produce multiple scripts for a potential series. And then when it's improved, if or when it's approved, it leads straight to a series order. And that seems really like a really interesting concept. I don't know how many of their shows have come out of that kind of like lab setting. I don't know. I like the idea of a writer's room. I like the idea of getting some ideas together. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something I've never really done before is come up with ideas with multiple. Well, I guess now that I'm doing an anthology series, mm-hmm. a narrative anthology series, I'll start to start kind of do that, like collaborate with another writer on ideas. Yeah. I've never really done that, but I think it's a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. But a script to like a script to series idea. It's like, I like the idea of a pilot season. I like the idea of going one in mm-hmm. and seeing how it works in and axing this stuff. Because what you're going to do is you're going to put stuff on television and commit to a series that might not be good. Yeah. From a, from a writer standpoint, it gives you the opportunity to maybe improve over time. Mm-hmm. But you can't tell what your audience likes or if it's going to be good. If that pilot ends up as, as a studio, that's a scary prospect. They're really taking a... A gamble on They're it. taking a gamble. At the other, on the other hand, a pilot is just a pilot. Sometimes you need two or three episodes to get off the ground. That's fair. Like a, a mix yeah. would be nice. A script, like a script to limited series, mm-hmm. something like that. That would be something nice because sometimes you really do need that pilot. Look at that pilot. Now give me three more episodes. Mm-hmm. No matter how bad the pilot, I really like that script. I really like your first, second, third, fourth episode. Give me three more episodes and we'll see what the audiences think after four. And that gives you your premiere in September, October. November, December, January, February, March, you go to break into that five weeks. You're going right before Christmas, maybe mm-hmm. eh, maybe a little bit before Thanksgiving. It gives you enough time to kind of figure out your show. A nice, healthy mix is nice. <laughs> but being stuck with the show for a season that you feel like you need, because sometimes I get locked into a show that like I feel like I need to finish, even though it's not good. Yeah. It's like, oh, <laughs> Been there. Guess I'll watch guess it. I'll finish it. Yeah. And then I get canceled anyway. So you're just like, come on. Yeah. Well, it, if a show is just kind of meh and then I know that it gets canceled, then I that my guilt is relieved uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like, all right, I, I can scrap this. Move yeah, on. I suppose. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. When she when they say like to come wife, the only thing I can think of the first thing that comes to my mind, and I don't know if it comes to your mind, mm-hmm. is uh, Deborah from Everybody Loves Raymond. Deborah, the most crapped on <laughs> wife in like all of sitcoms. Oh, uh, well, she was kind of shitty. She was kind of shitty. But also she was kind of shit on. Yeah. Like Patricia Heaton and Home Improvement kind of kept the family together. Wait, uh, what? Patricia Heaton? Is that not her name? In Home it Improvement? It, she wasn't in Home Improvement. Who's Patricia? That's the lady from Everybody Loves Raymond. No? Yeah. Yeah. All right. You're going to cut that out. <laughs> Am I though? I hope so. I have the power. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, was, who's the name of um, the actress from Home Improvement? Well, now that now that I have Patricia Heaton on the mind, I I can't think of it, but I know for a fact that's that's everybody loved Raymond. Hey Siri, who played the wife on Home Improvement? Which one? I found two. What? Oh, fuck you. Features Tim Allen. Patricia, Patricia Richardson. Richardson. Ooh. 
Ooh, I okay. was I'll okay. Give you, I'll give you that. You okay. were very close. I was super close. Yeah. It's so like Patricia Richardson on a home improvement. She went through an arc. She went to, to mm-hmm. went to school. Yep. She she's the matriarch of the house. She had a job. Mm-hmm. She improved the show went on. She was a fully realized character. Yeah. Aunt Viv maybe got like the run end of the she deal. She got the shaft. Yeah. The wife on Family Matters. Yeah, she kind of got the shaft. She's kind of overshadowed by uh, Steve and his the, relationship and the with the family. Yeah. yeah. Full House had no matriarch. Yep. Well, would you consider Aunt um, Becky? Yeah. No. Didn't she come on a little later? Yeah. She came on a little later. Yeah, because in the, fr- at, she in the was, first few she seasons, was the aunt. Uncle Jesse was kind of a fuckboy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she wasn't on at all. Like, he didn't even have her, Mm-mm. but she was never yeah. really brought on as a main character. Either way, we're getting off track. Yeah. I can't really think of too many, at least from the 90s on, too many sitcom wives that really got shafted. But also, we, but we haven't been watching. the 70s and 80s did. Yeah, that's also true. But you are stuck with buffoon, buffoon husbands. Yeah. But I think that's, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of, of stereotypes that they can work off of. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we just didn't necessarily watch the sitcoms that they're going to try and take a stab at. Probably. Could be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Could yeah. be interesting. I like the single cam and multicam changeover. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to, I believe there's a show coming out on Disney Plus called WandaVision, uh, which is going to be. Oh, the Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen's uh, Wanda and obviously the Vision from Avengers. And they're stuck in this kind of like sitcom world. And like, obviously, the mystery is why they're in a sitcom world. But the whole show is playing on different sitcom. Uh, so every episode is like a different sitcom mm-hmm. that they're stuck in. So I, I think that's a nice tie in as well. I think it's it's nice to play with convention sometimes. Yeah. So uh, what you got? Hold on. I need more beer for my news. <laughs> my first news. Uh-oh. I'm going to give you the bad news why? first and is then it- I'll give you good news. Oh, no. What happened? Oh, he's slurping. He guys and gals. It was reported earlier this oh. month that Indiana Jones would start filming soon. Mm-hmm. The fifth Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford Swan song. But it was just announced today that Steven Spielberg will no longer be directing. Oh boy, we're gonna need a few moments to grieve here, folks. <sighs> this movie's gonna be garbage, guys. I'm sorry, <laughs> Steven Spielberg left. Uh- Steven Spielberg doesn't leave the project that he's been signed on to because, oh, we got a new director. Steven Spielberg leaves the project because the script sucked and Disney's making him do it and they have no choice. And like, this is a script. It's time to get this out before Harrison Ford gets too old. We're doing it. And they don't have time to develop it. They don't have time to make it good. So this is going to blow. The director they want to try to get is James Mangold, Mm -hmm. who directed Logan and a couple of movies. He's not a bad director. He's pretty good, but he's not Steven Spielberg. And you can't direct like Steven Spielberg if you are not Steven Spielberg. And if every other movie was done by Steven Spielberg Mm -hmm. and he is still listed as a producer, you're not going to get a good film. I'm sorry, Jurassic World 2. I'm sorry, Jurassic Park 3. Although I do like Joe Johnson, Jurassic Park 3. That might be unfair. I do kind of like Jurassic Park 3, but it is no Jurassic Park 1 and 2. Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg is... An amazing director. He gets pooped on a lot of times because he does a lot of mainstream stuff that appeals to everybody. But that's because he's so good. It appeals to everybody. Yeah. And he's done all the Indiana Jones. The only reason he's dropping out is because he doesn't want to do it because something's wrong with it. Yeah. That's a bad sign. It's not a good sign at all. It's a very bad sign. And his excuse is he wants to give it to a new generation. Uh, But if this is Harrison Ford's last movie. What do you mean new generation? Then what's the script about? Yeah. Is that is that him trying to tell the public that this is about another Indiana Jones? Like clearly it's going to be a pa- about the passing Are of a choice. Are they bringing Shia LaBeouf back? <laughs> no, they did say they're not bringing him back. Oh, well then. 
But I mean, no offense, Chris Pat. I like you, but you don't need to be Indiana Jones. No, you're already Star Lord. Yeah, you've already got Jurassic Park. You don't need to be Indiana Jones. Yeah, and that's not. That's I just greedy. I don't need a smarmy Indiana Jones that's just sarcastic. That's not who Indiana Jones is. Yeah, exactly. Ugh, I feel God. like Chris Pratt. Be. Chris Pratt as Indiana Jones would be a watered down version of Indiana Jones. Well, he won't be Indiana Jones. Only Harrison Ford will be Indiana Jones. They're going to introduce a new character who uh, will carry on that kind of legacy. But okay. and the rumor of Chris Pratt was years and years ago, which which he's do shot down. That. Yeah. So I just I don't know. I I love those types of movies, and I'm excited they'd keep going on. But Steven Spielberg dropping out of it makes me super cautious, nervous. nervous. And honestly, I love Harrison Ford and I'd love to see him as Indiana Jones. But maybe he should back out too. (laughs) Yeah. Like now I don't know if I want to see it. And do a rewrite maybe. The thing is, you know, Steven Spielberg, are you going to have John Williams back then? Oh, no. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm good. I'm good now. Sad news, guys. Yeah. What else you got? (laughs) I need more beer. I don't know if this is going to make you feel any better. <laughs> Are you ready to feel old? Always. <laughs> Today, as we record this on the 26th of February, is officially the 25th anniversary of the premiere of Dexter's Laboratory. Go f*** yourself. <laughs> Came out in 1995. Uh. Woof. <laughs> but... Did you know that the show originally premiered as just a seven minute pilot? And then once it got uh, network approval, it, it expanded into a first series. I actually did know that because oh. that was on it was on the show that I believe it was on the show that was uh, Seth MacFarlane had a show that was basically a precursor to Family Guy on that. Mm-hmm. Oh. It was about the guy who gets the dog that gets him into a lot of trouble because the guy was stupid and was Peter and he had Peter's oh, voice. Yep. yep. Uh, so I do remember that actually okay. quite well. I'm impressed. Can't remember the name of that show though. Um, so the the yeah, the first season was only 13 episodes, but the second was 39. Cartoon shows like what? for kids go long episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I always forget that cartoon seasons are like prolific. All in all, there's 78 episodes and one movie over the span of four seasons. I love Jexer's Laboratory. I know. That was actually so you. You saw me play in the new games Dreams on PlayStation. Yeah, there 4. was a version of it. Somebody it was, was trying to recreate like make a Dexter's Laboratory game, and he did a really good job creating everything. He did. Yeah. He or she, the the creator. I also didn't realize that there were a number of cast changes over the years. Both Dee Dee and Dexter were replaced in, in the second and third season, respectively. I didn't know that they ever replaced Christine Cavanaugh. No. Whoever so, did the voice acting did a spot yeah, on exactly. job doing a, a I feel duplicate. Like that's, a, that's the thing about like the Simpsons getting canceled. It's like they're so beloved. You can't cancel them. Let them go on for 100 years. Yeah. Replace Why? the characters, replace the actors. These are these are indelible characters that you can maybe recreate and they're animated. They can live on forever. It's true. Or maybe spinoffs. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it does make me feel old, but it also makes me even further is my wanting to watch an episode of Dexter's Laboratory. I'm down. I'm going to do fromage. <laughs> <laughs> is that your news? It is. All right. I got one more bit of news, guys. All right. It's a little bit more uplifting. Yay. So Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. has decided to create a new type of Star Wars. Not a film, but a new era of Star Wars, a multimedia project, similar to what they did when they did uh, Shadows of the Empire, which is a mm-hmm. saga I loved, where they did a video game, they did books, they did a soundtrack, they did comic books, they did action figures, which created Dash Rendar, one of my favorite Star Wars characters of all time. Mm-hmm. The snarky bounty hunter who 
plays even more fast and loose, I think, than Han Solo, who was appointed as Luke's bodyguard and his ship, the Outrider, which I love the design of the Outrider. They are creating a saga called Star Wars, the High Republic. And Star Wars, the High Republic is going to be a multimedia project with books, with comic books, maybe animated series, maybe video games down the line. Definitely at least to start books and comic books. And it's going to be from young adult novels all the way to adult books, like comic books the same way. You can have cartoony ones for kids all the way to adult things. Um, They took a huge writer's room, invited a ton of the most prolific modern writers of both science fiction and just fiction and Star Wars stories into a room and decided what they wanted to do for the next big Star Wars saga, what era they wanted to explore, what the saga would be, what who the characters are, what the world is like. And they chose 200 years before the Phantom Menace. Whoa. So Yoda is 200 years younger, okay. but still obviously a Jedi. Yeah. The Jedi are the guardians and protectors of the galaxy. That is the quote they used when they were trying to think of the story. Obi-Wan Kenobi says that. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. So this story is supposed to be about that. Obviously, when Phantom Menace starts, the Jedi are in a bad way. Mm -hmm. The Sith are blocking their ability to see things. They're back. Starting with episode two, a war starts and they become warriors, which they're not supposed to be. They're supposed to be knights defending the realm, essentially, which means... They're kind of like King Arthur's knights. They're peaceful knights who protect and defend. So that's what the High Republic is trying to show. A lot of these Jedi are garbed in a little bit more fancier clothes. Their uh, lightsabers have cross guards, kind of like Kylo Ren's. Like maybe not like Kylo Ren's where it's lightsaber blades okay. on the ends, but they have yeah, cross guards I like a sword. Kind of weird. Like, it, it does defend from a lightsaber coming it, down and chopping your hand cool, off. But I don't remember seeing it on any other. He was the first one. But now they'll have cross cards. These ones are more metal, but they'll still look more like Knights of the Round Table, which mm-hmm. kind of look a little silly when you're looking at them because you're not used to it. Yeah. But also kind of I like that style. I like what they're going for, mm-hmm. that these are more King Arthur's Knights. And you have a whole bunch of different Jedi. You and your King Arthur. I do love King Arthur. <laughs> but that these knights go everywhere. And you, the knights on the Outer Rim, the Republic maybe hasn't gone as far as it did when we see them because mm-hmm. it's 200 years past. There are more Outer World... Uh, outer rim planets and before so there are ones that are more like the texas rangers on the fringe really protecting things and it's a more peaceful era so the adventure is a little more fun and lighthearted or single contained stories but there are going to be an overarching bad guy okay and these overarching villains of their this little i guess it's a, i guess it's a series they're going to be called the nihil and they're going to be like space Vikings, basically from way out in the galaxy. And they weird. They conquer what they want and they take over and they strip what they want for pieces, take who they want for slaves or whatever they do. They're the bad guys and they look very unique like and interesting. The Borg? Yeah, I like where your head's at, but ah. not really like the Borg. Okay. <laughs> More like if the Cleons were left to be the warrior race that they were before. Oh, OK. I would assume. So some of the stories are, are going to start in August, I guess, is when the beginning is. And they're going to start with some junior novelizations, adult junior novelizations, of comic books. But it will That's cool. spread in adult I, I ones. I like that they like, are reaching out for the, the younger kids, like draw on them. In. Oh, that's how they've always done it. That's yeah. like Phantom Menace well, was like yeah. that. Yeah, hey, we're creating true. a new Star Wars. This one's really Clone made Wars, for the youngins. Yeah. They even got concept artists to start drawing some stuff, which they posted online. Cool. They got the concept artist who created Darth Maul to come in oh. and he started drawing up Jedi drew up the Nihil, Hill drew up a star like there's a huge one of the stories centers around a huge star base which is going to be I call it star base because it's Star Trek Space Station <laughs> where uh, a couple of the stories take place mm-hmm. and it just seems like a really interesting time period because it is more peaceful but they're going to create stories and a new bad guy and it is a story you don't see a lot because you always see 
right before Phantom Menace, like mm. young from young Qui-Gon to baby Obi-Wan. But you and then if you go back, you go far back a thousand years to Knights of the Old Republic, which was an amazing game to even further back. So you don't really get that 200 years before, you know. Yeah. What was the height of the Republic? No Sith, just Jedi where everything was cool. What cool, was that like? Man. What was a Jedi like that wasn't embroiled trying to find the Sith? What was a Jedi like that they were peaceful and exploring and protectors and no negotiators like the true, true Jedi? And this is the first time well, I guess we'll see really like Jedi in their true habitat, their true nature. That sounds cool. I'm really I'm excited it. for it. I'm really excited to see what they'll do with it. I like that it's a collaborative effort mm-hmm. between all these different mediums creating something new. And, and I think it'd be cool if there's toys. Obviously, it'll be toys. Oh, yeah. Games, soundtracks. I like that Shadow of the Empire had a soundtrack you could buy. And if you're reading the book, you could, you could play the Shadow of the Empire. To, oh. It was from the 90s. Okay. You could buy that soundtrack. And you could technically, I guess, play it to the book while you were reading it. But they created it based on the chapters and the scenes in the book mm-hmm. as if they were making a movie out of the book. And I thought that was really cool. So, cool. Star Wars, thank you. <laughs> Star Wars, The High Republic comes out, starts August 2020. The new saga of star wars begins this is disney finally taking a new approach not trying to tie up loose ends not trying to put their own spin on things just let's make some new star wars yeah and they're letting lucasfilm go nuts with it should be interesting i'm i'm hopeful all right very nice so So, that's what we got that's what we got so once again shout out to tribus beer company for this delicious delicious brew that we are drinking tonight which is called blank check number five I recommend if you are in the area to go check it out while it is still available. Oh, yeah. Or anything else that they have, because it's all fantastic. And uh, shout out to these mugs that we're drinking. out. We're drinking out of Tribus mugs. They're really cool, really hefty, like really sturdy mugs. So uh, they they just feel good to hold. They're really awesome. Thank (laughs) you, Will, for these mugs. They will get great use. Oh, yeah. And we'll try to make pictures that will make you proud. And post them on Instagram for you. <laughs> My Photoshop skills are not nearly up to par with yours, but one one can dream. Yep. So check out Tribus's Instagram if you want to see more pictures that he's done. Yeah. With their awesome. beer. And uh, yeah. Thanks to Joe Riker for the theme <laughs> for cracking one open. That's right. I said it this time. Oh, threw you off. Sweat, it really did. Uh, yeah. See if you can use your notes now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future po- uh, episodes. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kraken One Open, or send us an email at Kraken One Open at gmail.com. Questions, Ooh. suggestions. Offers. I'd I'd love offers. (laughs) I'd love offers. But also suggestions would be neat. Yeah. Because, you know, we live in a little corner, but there's so much more beer out there. There's so much more beer that we We might not be able to get it. But if we can, like expand our horizons, we'd love it. Exactly. You got anything you want to plug? So you guys know what I do. I've got a lot going on. I've got a podcast, Forgotten Cinema, that I do with my buddy Mike Field. It's about forgotten films that, for whatever reason, were forgotten by audiences, whether because audience didn't see it in its initial run or another movie came and overshadowed it. You can check out that where we talk about everything related to that film, how it was made, why it was forgotten, and why we think it deserves a second chance. That's available on podcast platforms everywhere, and you can see us on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. I've also got two player bros that I do with my buddy Dave Cannon, mm. and occasionally with my brother Alex. 
where we talk about all things video game related, PC, Xbox, Switch, PlayStation, VR. We've got it all. We see it all. We report on it all. Uh, we'll actually be going to PAX this weekend. When you, this episode is released, yep. we will be up there in Boston checking out what we can check out. Check out our Instagram. We'll post from there and do an episode later on wrapping it all up. I've also got Welcome to Brookville, which is mm-hmm. an anthology series coming soon. Uh, that's kind of like X-Files meets Amazing Stories. It all takes place within this fictional version of the state of Connecticut. The first story is called Adam Parker and the Snowy Stakeout that uh, about two characters from Mike Field's brilliant novels about Adam Parker and his buddy Kevin, who are like detectives, basically like junior detectives that grew up and did real PI work. And this one has a supernatural twist on it. A short story with a supernatural twist. So check that out. It's the first in a long-running anthology series. I hope you guys, and I think you guys will really enjoy. Again, that'll be available everywhere podcasts are available. I also do audiobooks that are coming out soon. I've got Coffee at Midnight, Sour. Both of the, uh, Coffee at Midnight is a short story collection. Sour is a horror story take place in the Appalachian Mountains. And I've got others coming soon as well. So you can check those audiobooks. I don't write them, but I narrate them. It is my new thing. You can find those <laughs> on Audible. Check them out. That makes sense. I'm a good reader. I'm a goddamn fantastic reader. You are. And I even do voices. Check them out. I like hearing you talk. Aw, no one else does. I wish I had that. <laughs> Till next time. This has been Crack on Open. Cheers. Cheers.